Hello and welcome to Never Waste a Good Hysterectomy, where we discuss all things related to hysterectomies. My name is Melanie Favort and I'm the author of Never Waste a Good Hysterectomy. Before we go on, please may I remind you that this podcast is intended for information purposes only and must, of course, never replace medical intervention. If you are worried or something doesn't feel quite right, please contact your medical provider immediately. Today, we have another chat with Dr. Kate Chambers, a specialized gynecologist, about what to expect on the day of the surgery as well as the recovery period after the operation. Welcome, Dr. Kate. It's lovely to have you back again with us. Thank you. It's great to be back. So let's talk a little bit about what to expect on the day of your procedure. Sure. So um, just before you actually get to the hospital, what your what your surgeon or your surgeon secretary will do is they'll give you a time to come in. You normally have to come in about three hours prior to your surgery. Um, and it's always important to remember that you have to be starved. Um, so you can't have eaten for at least six hours before you before you go into theater. Um, when you arrive, you'll go into the ward. The nurses will prep you, get you into your little gown. And then when they're ready for you in theater, you'll go down to theater. In theater, you generally go to what we call a pre-op room where the anesthetist comes to talk to you and talks to you all about what they're going to do from their side. Also, very importantly here, they talk to you about your post-op pain management and they generally put up the drip at this point. You then go through to theater. Once you're in theater, they put you to sleep. And once you're asleep, they will put your catheter in. So everybody asks, you know, when does the catheter come in? Is it when I'm awake, when I'm not awake, because it's quite a daunting thing to have a pipe placed into your urethra, but it's done once you're asleep. That's what kind of happens before the surgery. When is it then removed? You'll have a drip and a catheter in for about 24 hours after your surgery. What happens is once the surgery is completed, they take you to your recovery room. You're in recovery. They just check your blood pressure and your pulse and make sure that you're stable before sending you back up to the ward. In the ward, um, depending on the time that you've had your surgery, they generally wait until the following day or 24 hours later, just so that you don't have to worry about getting up out of bed. You can just rest and, and recuperate for the first 24 hours. And then they take up your drip and your catheter, depending on whether you need any other IV um, antibiotics or medication. And it's not such a big deal, right? It's usually take a deep breath and they just pull it out. It's not yes. incredibly painful. <laughs> No, it's not incredibly painful. It's more of a weird sensation than painful because um, you're obviously not used to it. But it's pretty quick. You know, once they've deflated the bulb, they pull the catheter out. It takes two, three seconds and things go back to normal. So let's just talk about the days after the operation. How long do you usually, I know that depends a bit on the type of procedure you had, yes. but just what is the kind of range of days that people need to stay in hospital, presuming everything goes well, of course? Yeah, so presuming everything goes well, generally you stay between two and three days in hospital, depending on how we count. Um, I know here um, I count your day of your surgery as day zero. The first day afterwards is day one. You're generally in for about two days, depending on your surgery. So if you have a vaginal hysterectomy or a laparoscopic procedure, you're generally in the ward for a little bit less. So probably about two days. And with an abdominal surgery, you're in for about three days, just so that we can make sure that you're up and about mobilizing and comfortable being at home. But I know that can differ a lot. I certainly know in the NHS, for example, that sometimes yes. when people have a laparoscopic or vaginal, they sometimes even make it a day procedure, right? Yes, yes, that's that's very true. And it, it does depend on the hospital that you're in and the surgeon and how extensive the procedure is. So if you have a relatively uncomplicated um, laparoscopic hysterectomy or even vaginal hysterectomy and it's done in the morning and by the afternoon you're up and about walking around and passing urine and passing flatus, 
there is an opportunity for you to go home. Um, it just kind of depends on you and how quickly you recover from the anesthetic as well. The one which is obviously the one that's going to keep you in bed um, and in hospital the longest is the open hysterectomy, yes. the abdominal one, whether it's vertical yes. or, or horizontal, the cut. Yes. When are women usually expected to get out of bed, be that now in hospital still, just to start moving around? In general, once again, it's about 24 hours, depending on how extensive the surgery was, also depending on what time you had your surgery. So for instance, here in our hospital, if you have your surgery in the morning, the following morning, we get you up and about walking around once we've removed your catheter and your drip. If you have your procedure at you know four o'clock, five o'clock in the afternoon, and you've slept well and have had a good night, then they can take it out the next morning as well. We obviously want to give you enough time to wake up from the anesthetic, make sure that you are stable enough to get up and walk around and are not dizzy and, you know, still a bit groggy from the anesthetic. But the sooner you walk around, the better to an extent. So we normally, within 24 hours, you are up and about mobilizing. And that's also, of course, important because of blood clots and stuff, right? You yes. want as much movement in the body as quickly as is possible. Exactly. You know, it's, it's always a balancing act and you don't want to move too quickly and then, you know, disrupt sutures or cause a lot of pain, which then hinders your movement a little bit later on. But the earlier you can get up and walk around, as you said, you reduce your chances of um, deep vein thrombosis. It also reduces your chances of um, what we call atelectasis, where your lung, the lung bases get a bit clogged up because you're not breathing as deeply as you would when you're walking around. Um, and it also helps with getting your bowel moving, passing gas, avoiding constipation. We'll get to the constipation later. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the dreaded gas pain. When I talk about gas pain, there's two different types of gas pain and it, it depends on your surgery. So with all surgeries, you can get gas pain, which is related to your bowel. Essentially just gases that your bowel produces become almost stuck in your bowel and aren't moved down the passage as quickly as they normally would. This is because your bowel or your intestines is quite sensitive. They don't like being touched. They don't like being filled with. And in surgeries, especially if you're doing a laparoscopic case or um, an open case, you are not necessarily handling the bowel to, to such an extent, but you are touching the bowel, moving it out of the way, swabbing the blood away, those sorts of things. And the bowel doesn't like it. So it almost stops working for a little while. Um, and as that bowel stops working, stops the peristalsis, the gas builds up. And the important thing for that is also that it can be worsened by the pain medication that we're on because that causes constipation, further reduces the bowel movements and getting up and down and moving and avoiding certain painkillers really does help with that. On the other hand, there's another sort of gas pain that we talk about, which is related to your laparoscopic surgery. During a laparoscopic surgery, we obviously insufflate the abdomen with gas so that we can see what we're doing with our cameras and our instruments. After we've done those procedures, when we remove our ports, we try to get as much of that gas out as possible. However, there's always a few little bubbles of gas that can stay in the abdomen once we've closed it. And people often feel that they get shoulder tip pain from the gas that sits underneath the, the diaphragm. And once again the treatment for that is mobilization getting up moving around let's talk about pain relief in general so there's obviously first the time in hospital you just referred to you know some painkillers not being great as yes. good as others and then perhaps also when you go home because I think often what happens is in hospital everything is lovely you get your yeah. IV painkillers and then suddenly you go home and it's a totally different story. Totally different story and you don't have all the good drugs. So basically what will happen with pain relief your anesthetist and your doctor will sit and talk to you and find out what is the best 
form of pain relief and method of pain relief for you, looking at what you've had before, whether you've had reactions to certain drugs before, um, whether you are prone to constipation, those sorts of things. And the anesthetist will generally prescribe your medication for while you're in the hospital. While you're in hospital, we give you the strong drugs, as you've mentioned before. So we give IV pain medication, we give intramuscular pain medication and oral medication. And the medications are a combination of pain medication as well as anti-inflammatories because you want the combination and the synergistic relationship between those two to help with all uh, of the pain receptors. When it comes to pain medication, you also get different types. So you get your opioid pain medication and your non-opioids. Obviously, we don't send you home on opioid medication. So that's why we give it to you in the hospital. But when you go home, you are or should be discharged on very nice drugs that you're not suffering at home and don't go suddenly from strong opioids, which are given IV to only, you know, plain little anti-inflammatories when you go home. So what we normally do is on the first day or two, we give you the IV anti-inflammatories and the analgesics. And then on the last day before you go home, we stop all of that and move you on to the medication that you'll be going home on so that we know that when you go home, your pain is covered and you're not left suffering at home. And the important thing is that you shouldn't be in too much pain, right? How long is pain supposed to last? Obviously, also depending on what type of procedure and type of pain receptors you have, it's yeah. going to differ from women to women. But Completely. you're not supposed to be in agony. You should never be in agony and you should be able to manage pain and the pain medication should relieve your pain. So if you are on pain medication and it doesn't relieve your pain and you're still in excruciating pain and are unable to move, then you obviously need to speak to your surgeon, readjust the medication that you're on. Perhaps you just don't respond well to one of them. And there's a lot of different types that you can chop and change before. When it comes to how long to expect pain, it is very difficult because everybody has a different pain threshold. Everybody reacts to pain differently as well as react to different medication differently. In general, you're probably going to have you know quite a lot of pain in the first couple of days um, as your body recovers from the general shock of the surgery and um, the inflammation and everything and by the time you get home you should be able to cope yeah I mean I certainly my experience from an open abdominal one was certainly that the pain got less yes. every day but it certainly was there the wound was uncomfortable Definitely. for a very long time it wasn't something that just passed and it's also you use the word discomfort and I think that's important to realize the difference between severe pain and discomfort you know your wound is going to be uncomfortable because you've had opening of skin and all those sorts of things muscles have been disruptive so it's going to be uncomfortable as your muscles get used to working in a different way but pain should be managed very well okay so now we're going home and now it's the long recovery period. So when I went home the or beforehand, actually, the surgeon said to me, week one, you're going to be in bed. Yeah. Week two, you're going to split it between the bed and the couch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and week three, you might be feeling okay to go make a sandwich and some tea in, yes. in the kitchen. I, I yes. think that was roughly about right. Okay. But I think I did not expect the recovery to take that long. So let's maybe just start with taking 
our time to go through things. What should we definitely not do after <laughs> after a hysterectomy? So I think the things you definitely shouldn't do is go back to normal life. I mean, I think you you can't go home and suddenly do the dishes and unpack the you know the laundry and hang the laundry on the line and all those sorts of things. You do need to listen to your body and you need to rest. Rest is so important for your recovery. Uh, I don't know if I would say stay in bed for the whole week because of the risks of, you know, deep vein thrombosis and everything, but walking around a little bit, getting a little bit of fresh air in the first week, and then avoiding any major abdominal movements. So lifting any heavy objects, doing the major shopping where you have to carry shopping bags, driving, anything that's going to use your abdominal muscles to a large extent, you should be avoiding. On some of the Facebook sites, women, I don't know why, but a lot of women are asking about mowing the lawn within the first two weeks. <laughs> definitely not, right? Definitely not. Definitely not. That is definitely left for the husband. <laughs> and it's actually very interesting how much you use your abdominal muscles. I, for example, found I couldn't really pull sliding doors open for the first okay. while because you actually really use your core muscles. So I don't know if one can go on specific times, but there are a lot of things that women ask in terms, when can I? Sure. Let's start with driving, which you've just okay. said. Driving is dependent on a few things. Firstly, is that you shouldn't be on any opioids. Um, opioids are sedatives and you shouldn't be mentally impaired in any way when you're driving in any circumstance. And the other thing that I, that I always say is that you need to have normal pain reflexes. The trouble about driving in a car is that if you are involved in an accident or you come up to a stop street and you have to slam on brakes, you need to be able to slam on those brakes without worrying about being in severe pain or worrying about your wound or anything like that. So in general, we say between two to six weeks, depending on how you recover and how your pain is being managed. Managed. The other thing to keep in mind is that not only with driving, even if you're the passenger, we like you to avoid long trips. So avoiding long trips on holiday or going on a plane for at least two weeks because of the risks of, as we've mentioned before, the deep vein thrombosis. Another thing that I always tell my patients to consider, and it will obviously differ wherever you are in the world, is your insurance. Um, you know, we all have to be insured so that we make sure our cars are covered in case of any emergency. Um, and some insurances have stipulations as to when you can drive post-surgery. What about bathing? So bathing, once again, also depends on the surgery that you've had. You can shower. So, you know, as soon as you are up and about, showering is totally fine, whether you've had a vaginal hysterectomy or an abdominal procedure. Bathing is a little bit more tricky, and that depends on when your wound has healed. So we generally say between two and three weeks after your surgery, your skin incision has healed. You're not worried about causing any infection or anything like that to the wound. And when it comes to a vaginal hysterectomy, I always say push it a little bit longer to probably about three, four weeks. That's because your vagina you know, is not exposed to the air. It's a, it's a moist environment where infection can become quite prominent, especially if it's not dried properly. So I normally say bathing about two to three weeks, depending on your surgery. Let's start separately with just some physical exercise. Walking. Sure. You have to listen to your body. So once you get home, walking around the house, you know, walking in the garden is perfect. By about day 10, you should be able to walk around the block, you know, go for a little walk along the promenade or wherever you may be. And you generally just work your way up depending on how you feel. And it's all about listening to your body and I can't say that enough but generally we say six weeks before you go for a run you do any gym the heavy lifting but just build up as you feel comfortable 
Yeah, I can certainly say six weeks was not when I was happy to do any yeah. of that. Started with some physiotherapy, which was lovely, but okay. and especially in water was lovely. And we will have a whole separate episode on sex, but let's ask it here as well. The big question is always, yes. when can I have sex again? <laughs> so um, on average, we say about six weeks. This obviously depends on how you feel. Not a lot of patients post-surgery really want to have sex within six weeks. But the most important thing is that you need the vaginal cuff, which we spoke about in a previous episode, to heal properly. And no matter what surgery you have, whether it's an abdominal, vaginal, or laparoscopic, you're always going to have that vaginal cuff unless your cervix has been left inside you. But you want that tissue and those stitches to fully heal before there's any um, any penetration. And as I said, we will discuss that in a further episode. We will just focus on the physical side of sex and how to get our sexual grooves back. The bottom line of these early days and particularly the recovery period, then Dr. Gates, like you keep saying, is trust your body. Don't push through. Exactly. Because I think don't women push often through. push through. But this is major surgery and it's really important to it acknowledge is. that, it right? Is. Completely. And I couldn't agree more. You know, as women, we often got so much other stuff on our plates you know you get home you've got kids you've got to make sure everybody's ready for school pack lunches do the laundry all that sort of stuff but you can't be a good mom a good friend a good sister any of that sort of stuff unless you're healthy so it's very important to look after yourself take it slow listen to your body as you've said you know some people take longer and that's totally fine there's no rush to get back to getting in the gym going for runs as long as you feel comfortable with what you're doing Dr. Kate, thank you so much for your time. We'll speak again soon. Perfect. Thank you also to Nicola Bruins for producing this podcast. And above all, thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch, I'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to email me at hysterectomypodcast at gmail.com. I'm Alani Favurt, and until next time, please stay strong and stay brave. Stay brave.